February of 1967, NASA launched the Lunar Orbiter 3 into space. That same year, the Beatles took a break from touring to release their eighth studio album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Then, later in the year, Rolling Stone magazine published its very first issue with the image of John Lennon on the cover. As you now know, it'd go on to become a fairly popular magazine. Fast forward 49 years, and in 2016, Rolling Stone writer Peter Travers would review an Alien movie starring Michael Shannon and Joel Egerton called Midnight Special. In his review, Peter explains that, quote, With only four films, the Arkansas-born Jeff Nichols, 37, already ranks with the best American directors of his generation, end quote. Jeff Nichols, of course, being the man who wrote and directed Midnight Special, the film that Peter was reviewing. Fast forward one more year, and Jeff Nichols has now written and directed five films. His fifth film, simply called Loving, finds Michael Shannon and Joel Egerton again working with Jeff Nichols, in a film that takes us all the way back to 1967, 50 years ago as of this recording in 2017. As crazy as it may be to think about, it was only 50 years ago when the Supreme Court of the United States ruled in favor of Richard and Mildred Loving's marriage, thereby breaking racial barriers in the states where, up until that moment, interracial marriages were illegal. So let's take a few moments now to learn about the remarkable story told in the movie Loving. I'm Dan Lefebvre, and this is based on a true story. It's time for Two Truths and a Lie. Listen closely for the two truths scattered throughout the episode. Then, by a simple process of elimination, you'll know which one was a lie. And of course, as always, we'll do a recap at the end of the episode to see how well you did. Okay, here are the two truths and one lie. Number one, Richard and Mildred were secretly married in a ceremony at their home in Central Point, Virginia. Number two, Virginia's Judge Basil's statement said, quote, The fact that he separated the races shows that he, God, did not intend for the races to mix, end quote. Number three, U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren's statement said, quote, Marriage is one of the basic civil rights of man, end quote. Before we get back to our story today, I've got my own tiny story to share. The other day, I set up a merch store for Based on a True Story, but as you can imagine, I don't really have the budget to print thousands of shirts up front, so they're all print-on-demand, and sometimes, honestly, you never really know what you get with that, as far as the quality of the shirt, I mean. So I ordered a couple shirts myself just to test the quality. When they came, I was really impressed. But even better than that, I had quite a few people comment on it as I was walking around. And most of the people who asked about it hadn't heard of podcasts, let alone my podcast. So it was great to get to share the wonderful world of podcasts with people. Anyway, I thought that was really cool and wanted to share that. No, oh, and if you want to pick up your own Based on a True Story t-shirt, you can do that over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash merch. There's a lot of different styles and colors, but I picked up a couple of the tri-blend shirts, and they're really comfortable. Once again, that's basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash merch. 
Okay, let's get back to our story and let's compare history with Hollywood's version of loving. The movie begins with Ruth Nega's version of Mildred Jeter sitting alongside Joel Edgerton's version of Richard Loving on a front porch. She breaks the news to him. She's pregnant. You can feel the tension as she waits to see how he'll react. After a brief moment, a smile crosses Richard's face as the thought of being a father sinks in. While the movie doesn't mention when this happens, this plot line is truth. But there's a pretty big difference here that the movie doesn't really mention, so let's address that up front. And that big difference has to do with Mildred's heritage. The movie doesn't really talk about it, but because she's played by Ruth Nega in the film, who is an Ethiopian-Irish actress, the natural implication might be that Mildred was of African-American descent. In truth, Mildred Jeter had both African-American and European ancestry, but the heritage she identified with herself was Native American. More specifically, she was part Cherokee and part Rappahannock. Not to get too far ahead of our story, but in a 2004 interview with Time magazine, Mildred blatantly said, quote, I am not black. I have no black ancestry. I am Indian, Rappahannock. I told the people so when they came to arrest me, end quote. On the other hand, Richard Loving was of Irish and English descent. He was born on October 29, 1933, in a small town called Central Point. That's just north of Richmond, Virginia. Mildred was also born in Central Point, but her birthday came five years, eight months, and 23 days later, on July 22, 1939. Growing up in a racially segregated town, Richard visited Mildred's home as a teenager when she attended an all-black school. At first, she didn't really like him. She thought he was too arrogant but eventually they became friends. It wasn't a fast thing. In fact, their friendship blossomed into love over the course of seven years. One thing led to another, and by the time Mildred was 18, she found herself pregnant. So while the movie doesn't give any sort of timeline on when the opening scene takes place, we know from history that Richard and Mildred had their first son, Sidney, on January 27, 1957. After this, the movie shows correctly that after finding out she was pregnant, Richard decided to propose. Of course, we don't know if it happened exactly like the movie shows, but the basic gist is correct. Back in the movie, after proposing, Richard and Mildred go to Washington, D.C. to get married. Richard poses it to Mildred as being something that'll just be faster to do there. The movie doesn't really go into too much detail here either, but the truth is that Richard knew he could not marry Mildred in Virginia. The reason for that was because of the Racial Integrity Act of 1924, which was the law that made interracial marriages illegal in Virginia. So he and Mildred traveled the 80 miles or so south from Central Point to Washington, D.C. That's about 130 kilometers, or roughly a two-hour drive today. I say today because most highways in the U.S. weren't built until the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956, and since this was in 1958, it's very likely that they didn't travel 65 or 70 miles an hour down a highway from Virginia to Washington, D.C. So that 80 miles or 130 kilometers would have taken longer to travel then and been a much bigger deal than it is today. 
On June 2nd, 1958, Richard and Mildred were married in Washington, D.C. After saying their vows, just like in the movie, the couple returned home to Virginia. It was, all in all, a rather uneventful affair for a wedding. In the movie, after they get married, the next major plot point occurs when the local law enforcement shows up to arrest Richard and Mildred. According to the movie, this happens late at night with the cops sneaking up to and bursting into the Loving's home while they're sleeping. We already talked a little bit about this earlier, but sadly, this is true. We don't really know how they knew, but most historians believe someone in town must have tipped off the local sheriff to Richard and Mildred's marriage. At about 2 o'clock in the morning on July 11th, over a month after Richard and Mildred had returned home to begin their lives as a happily married couple, the sheriff burst into their home and arrested the two. As a side note, the movie gets what happens very accurately. Down to Joel Edgerton's version of Richard pointing to the marriage certificate hanging on the wall, something the real Richard did after the sheriff demanded who Mildred was, to which she replied, quote, I'm his wife, end quote, and Richard pointed to the certificate. Part of the Racial Integrity Act of 1924 that made interracial marriages illegal also made it illegal for white residents of Virginia to get married outside of the state and then move back to Virginia. Unfortunately, the law enforcement did exactly what we saw in the movie. Richard and Mildred were thrown in jail. As a little side note, Mildred was pregnant again at this point with who would be their second son, Donald, and who would be born on October 8, 1958. Just like the movie shows, Richard was allowed to post bail the very next day after the arrest. I'm sure it's no surprise that I believe we can learn from history. And that includes my own personal history, too. You know how your phone will remind you of photos that you took on this day a few years ago? Well, I just had one pop up and it reminded me of a time a few years ago when my daughter and I were heading out on a four hour drive to a state park and it couldn't have been more like 10 minutes into the drive when my check engine light turned on and my car just started shaking really, really bad. Needless to say, we ended up spending the rest of the day at the mechanic instead of the park. Not only was that day ruined, but all of a sudden I had a huge unexpected bill to figure out how to pay. And I really wish I had known about today's sponsor then because that would have relieved a lot of stress. Earn In helps alleviate financial anxiety by giving you access to your pay as you work instead of waiting for the next paycheck. You can get up to $100 a day or up to $750 per pay period. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in True Story under podcast when you sign up, and it'll really help the show. True Story under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Thanks, Earn In. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mildred, however, wasn't allowed to leave, and she spent multiple days in jail. So the movie is pretty accurate in this depiction. Now, this is just my speculation here, but I'd also doubt that the sheriff treated a pregnant Mildred with much respect or care for the fact that she was pregnant. Back in the movie, Richard and Mildred are given an ultimatum by the judge in Virginia. Basically, plead guilty to breaking the law and you'll have the choice of either dissolving your marriage or leave the state of Virginia. Leave your home or leave your family. I can't even imagine what that must have been like to be given such a choice. But, according to the movie, Richard and Mildred pled guilty and opt for leaving their parents, siblings, and other family behind with their own small family as they move to Washington, D.C., where they can live like any other married couple. This is true. The movie is also true when it depicts Judge Basil, who's played by David Jensen, explaining that he wouldn't send them to prison for as long as they didn't return to Virginia together. How long was their banishment from their home state? Just like the movie shows, 25 years. All of this happened on January 6, 1959, so just over seven months into their marriage, and their love went through a test that was so strong that, well, let's just say there's a lot of other marriages out there that were around a lot longer and still crumbled under a lot less pressure. As he was issuing his verdict, Judge Basil now infamously said something to show just how racist he was. This is a quote from his sentencing, and I quote, Almighty God created the races white, black, yellow, Malay, and red, and he placed them on separate continents. And but for the interference with his arrangement, there would be no cause for such marriages. The fact that he separated the races shows that he did not intend for the races to mix. End quote. Then later he told the Lovings, quote, As long as you live, you will be known as a felon. End quote. Oh, how wrong that judge would be. Of course, they didn't know it at the time, so it had to have been terrifying. And so it was that the Loving family moved to Washington, D.C., Richard, Mildred, and their children. And time passed. The movie doesn't really show how much time is passing, but there's a moment where one of the loving children gets hit by a car. After that, Ruth Nega's version of Mildred breaks. She's had enough. She was born and raised a country girl, and she can't live in the city anymore. Something the movie doesn't really mention is that even though they lived in Washington, D.C., both Richard and Mildred made trips back home to visit their families in Virginia. They just couldn't make the trip together without getting arrested. While the events and specific conversations are dramatized, of course, again, the overall gist here is very accurate. It wasn't until after an unfortunate accident with one of their kids that Richard and Mildred decided they couldn't live in the city. Fortunately, the loving children weren't significantly injured in the accident, but it was the last straw, as it were, to get away from city life, traffic, but really to be closer to family, to be back home. There's a moment in the movie where we see one of Mildred's cousins recommend that she write to Bobby Kennedy, who was the Attorney General of the United States at the time. We don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but the letter is true. 
The movie doesn't mention a timeline here, again, but it was the actions that Mildred saw on TV that would eventually turn into the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that prompted Mildred to write Kennedy. She wrote her letter in 1963 and basically asked if the new law were to get enacted, would it be able to help in their case? The reply came that, unfortunately, no, the Civil Rights Act wouldn't help in their case. But they did recommend that the Lovings get in contact with the ACLU to see if they can help. The ACLU is the American Civil Liberties Union, by the way. That's when another couple of characters come into the picture, exactly like the movie shows. They are two lawyers from the ACLU who agree to work on the case free of charge for the Lovings. Those two lawyers were Bernie Cohen, who's played by Nick Kroll in the movie, and Philip Hirschkop, who's played by John Bass in the film. It was those two lawyers who went to work on an uphill battle against the state of Virginia's horrible laws. Although, really, it was Bernie Cohen who took the lead, since he joined the case first in June of 1963, and then Phil joined later on as he was done working on another civil rights case in Mississippi that he was working on. It wasn't a fast process by any means, but that process was helped along, just like the movie shows, by an article in Life magazine that published on March 18, 1966. In the movie, Michael Shannon plays the photographer from Life who comes to photograph the loving family. His real name was Gray Villette, and you can see a lot of the real photos that he took online. Life magazine isn't around anymore but they were bought out by Time magazine, so you can find some of Gray's photos of the real Richard and Mildred Loving on Time's website. I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes over on basedonatruestorypodcast.com. That article was published with the headline, quote, The Crime of Being Married, end quote. Which is also something that the movie shows correctly. Thanks in part to that article's popularity, the Loving's case started to shoot up the chain in the legal system. By now, if you've gotten the sense that the film is very accurate in its portrayal of the events, you'd be correct. So it probably doesn't come as much of a surprise that the way the film ends is also pretty accurate to the true events. Just like the movie shows, the case of Loving versus Virginia made its way all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. On April 10, 1967, the case officially began when the U.S. Supreme Court heard opening remarks. The movie doesn't show what happens in the courtroom itself, and this makes sense because it is true that the Lovings didn't go to the hearing. So because of the way the film looks at things from Richard and Mildred's perspective, it would make sense to stay out of the courtroom as well, since they weren't actually there. Oh, and yes, the real Richard Loving did tell Bernie Cohen to pass along a very simple message to the U.S. Supreme Court. And Mr. Cohen did just that, in something that would become the most famous quote from inside the courtroom that made its way out. This is the actual audio from Bernie Cohen's statement in the Supreme Court. No one can articulate it better than Richard Loving when he said to me, Mr. Cohen, tell the court I love my wife and it is just unfair that I can't live with her in Virginia. Overall, the case took about two months. On June 2nd, 1967, Richard and Mildred celebrated their ninth wedding anniversary. We don't really know how they celebrated, 
What we do know is that just 10 days after their ninth anniversary, they got the present they'd been wanting all along. This is a portion of the statement that was issued by Chief Justice Earl Warren on June 12, 1967. Marriage is one of the basic civil rights of man, fundamental to our very existence and survival. Skinner v. Oklahoma, 316 U.S. 535, 316 U.S. 541 in 1942. See also Maynard v. Hill, 125 U.S. 190 in 1888. To deny this fundamental freedom on so unsupportable a basis as the racial classifications embodied in these statutes, classifications so directly subversive to the principle of equality at the heart of the 14th Amendment, is surely to deprive all the state citizens of liberty without due process of law. The 14th Amendment requires that the freedom of choice to marry not be restricted by individuous racial discriminations. Under our Constitution, the freedom to marry, or not marry, a person of another race resides with the individual and cannot be infringed by the state. These convictions must be reversed. It is so ordered. Finally, Richard and Mildred Loving were legally allowed to remain in Virginia, a happy married couple. Almost immediately after the Supreme Court's decision, Virginia and 15 other states that had outlawed interracial marriages effectively had those laws reversed. The movie doesn't really talk much about what happened after the decision other than to show Richard and Mildred finally getting to build their home in Virginia. Then, with some text on screen, the movie says that Richard died in a car accident seven years after the ruling. Sadly, this is true. The landmark decision by the Supreme Court had further implications that the movie doesn't mention, though. It started, of course, with the Lovings themselves. Almost two months to the day, on August 13, 1967, Roman Johnston, a black man, married Leona Boyd, a white woman. They got married in Norfolk, Virginia, and they were the first interracial couple to be married in Virginia after the Supreme Court's ruling. But they certainly weren't the last. For some reason, many of the key moments of the Loving's life happened in June. Richard and Mildred were married on June 2, 1958. Nine years later, on June 12, 1967, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in their favor. Eight years after that, on June 29, 1975, Richard and Mildred were driving when a drunk driver hit their car. Mildred survived. Sadly, Richard did not. He was only 41 years old. Mildred continued to live a quiet life until, on May 2, 2008, she passed away in the home she shared with the love of her life in Central Point, Virginia. Although Richard and Mildred didn't seem to be out to make massive changes in the U.S., their love and devotion to each other was enough to prove to everyone that marriage is about that, love and not race. The U.S. Supreme Court agreed, and this sparked massive changes. Before she passed, Mildred Loving issued a statement on June 12, 2007, entitled, Loving for All. When my late husband Richard and I got married in Washington, D.C. in 1958, it wasn't to make a political statement or start a fight. We were in love, and we wanted to be married. 
We didn't get married in Washington because we wanted to marry there. We did it there because the government wouldn't allow us to marry back home in Virginia, where we grew up, where we met, where we fell in love, and where we wanted to be together and build our family. You see, I am a woman of color, and Richard was white. And at that time, people believed it was okay to keep us from marrying because of their ideas of who should marry whom. When Richard and I came back to our home in Virginia, happily married, we had no intention of battling over the law. We made a commitment to each other in our love and lives, and now that legal commitment called marriage to match. Isn't that what marriage is? Not long after our wedding, we were awakened in the middle of the night in our own bedroom by deputy sheriffs and actually arrested for the, quote, crime, end quote, of marrying the wrong kind of person. Our marriage certificate was hanging on the wall above our bed. The state prosecuted Richard and me, and after we were found guilty, the judge declared, quote, Almighty God created the races white, black, yellow, Malay, and red, and he placed them on separate continents. And but for the interference with his arrangement, there would be no cause for such marriages. The fact that he separated the races shows that he did not intend for the races to mix, end quote. He sentenced us to a year in prison, but offered to suspend the sentence if we left our home in Virginia for 25 years exile. We left and got a lawyer. Richard and I had to fight, but still we're not fighting for a cause. We were fighting for our love. Though it turned out we had to fight, happily Richard and I didn't have to fight alone. Thanks to groups like the ACLU and the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, and so many good people around the country willing to speak up, we took our case for the freedom to marry all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And on June 12, 1967, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that, quote, the freedom to marry has long been recognized as one of the vital personal rights essential to the orderly pursuit of happiness by free men, end quote. A, quote, basic civil right, end quote. My generation was bitterly divided over something that should have been so clear and right. The majority believed that what the judge said, that it was God's plan to keep people apart, and that government should discriminate against people in love. But I have lived long enough now to see big changes. The older generation's fears and prejudices have given way, and today's young people realize that if someone loves someone, they have the right to marry. Surrounded as I am now by wonderful children and grandchildren, not a day goes by that I don't think of Richard and our love, our right to marry, and how much it meant to me to have that freedom to marry the person precious to me, even if others thought he was the, quote, wrong kind of person, end quote, for me to marry. I believe all Americans, no matter their race, no matter their sex, no matter their sexual orientation, should have that same freedom to marry. Government has no business imposing some people's religious beliefs over others, especially if it denies people's civil rights. I am still not a political person, but I am proud that Richard's in my name is on a court case that can help reinforce the love, the commitment, the fairness, and the family that so many people, black or white, young or old, gay or straight, seek in life. I support the freedom to marry for all. 
That's what loving and loving are all about. In case you couldn't tell, in that last sentence, the first loving is a capital L, their last name. Do you remember the dates of the Loving versus Virginia ruling by the Supreme Court? Opening hearings started on April 10, 1967, with a decision issued on June 12, 1967. Well, this statement from Mildred, along with the 1967 ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court, was one that a lot of people used as a basis for yet another case in front of the Supreme Court. This time, the case opened on April 28, 2015. On June 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court yet again ruled marriage as a fundamental right in the Obergefell v. Hodges case. This time, it wasn't for interracial marriages like Richard and Mildred, but instead, same-sex marriages. Yet again, love won the day. This episode of Based on a True Story was written and produced by me, Dan LeFebvre. If you want to learn more about Richard and Mildred Loving, I would recommend reading a great book by Phil Newbeck called Virginia Hasn't Always Been for Lovers, Interracial Marriage Bans, and the Case of Richard and Mildred Loving. There's also a ton of other information you can find online, including some of the actual photos taken of Richard and Mildred by Life magazine. I'll put a link to Phil's book and plenty of other resources over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Before we get to the answer to the two truths and a lie game, here is a great five-star review on Facebook from Frank Linker. Quote, Never miss a new episode. As a podcaster for almost four years and 500-plus episodes in a few different genres, I know how much work goes into doing just one episode, let alone all by yourself. Much respect to Dan, one of my top five favorite shows. End quote. I know how much work goes into creating one episode, too, and 500? Wow. Thanks so much for your kind words, Frank. I'm glad all of my hard work is coming across to create something that you find enjoyable. Okay, now it's time for the answer to our two truths and a lie game from the beginning of the episode. As a refresher, here are the two truths and one lie. Number one, Richard and Mildred were secretly married in a ceremony at their home in Central Point, Virginia. Number two, Virginia's Judge Basil's statement said, quote, The fact that he separated the races shows that he, God, did not intend for the races to mix, end quote. Number three, U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice Earl Warren's statement said, quote, Marriage is one of the basic civil rights of man, end quote. Did you find out which one is a lie? I really wish that I could say number two is a lie, but the lie is number one. While Richard and Mildred lived in Central Point, Virginia, they traveled to Washington, D.C. to get married because, in 1958, it was still illegal for them to get married in Virginia. So what are your thoughts about the movie? Hop onto the Based on a True Story group on Facebook and let's chat about it. Don't forget you can pick up your own Based on a True Story t-shirts and merch over at basedonatruestorypodcast.com slash merch. You can also follow the show on Instagram, which is at Based on a True Story Podcast. Over there, I like to post some photos of faces and places behind each episode of the podcast. You can also find me on Twitter, where I'm at Dan Lefebvre, D-A-N-L-E-F-E-B. Or if social media isn't your thing, 
you can shoot me a good old-fashioned email at dan at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll chat with you again really soon.